All right, welcome everyone to the debut episode of Livestream Sports. I'm Ross Brand. I host Livestream Stars on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. I also edit the LivestreamUniverse.com website. And this show was set to launch in May, but as we've just been um, discussing in our, in our pre-show conversation, news came along and, and kind of got in the way. And um, few things could be bigger at the intersection of sports and, and live streaming than the NFL making a deal with Twitter to live stream 10 Thursday night football games. So um, I'm so excited to have this great group um, together here to talk about this. Um, a, a quick word about this show. We're, we're not going to do any sports center stuff or any, any of your local sports talk uh, show stuff. Um, there's plenty of great places you can go for that. Um, we're going to look at the sports industry through the lens of live streaming, social media, marketing, business, and and hopefully, no matter what industry you work in, there may be lessons and things you can apply um, in your own business, in your own industry. So anyway, um, let's get started. Um, Mitch Jackson, I'm so excited you're here. Um, Mitch is an award-winning California trial lawyer. He was named California's Litigation Lawyer of the Year in 2013. And um, just today, Mitch was mentioned by um, Entrepreneur and Inc. magazine contributing author John Lincoln in his new article, 12 Rising Stars in Social Media Marketing. Uh, Mitch, you got to you got to drop that in. I know you're you're very humble, but drop that in the uh, in the box for everybody to see. Um, And one of the reasons why I'm really looking forward to talking to Mitch is that his law firm, um, Jackson and Wilson, are actually rolling out a new legal department specifically designed um, to offer representation and agency services to top social media influencers. So whenever you talk about the NFL and you think about athletes and agents and the high salaries and those type of concepts also apply when it comes to social media influencers um, who are asked to represent big brands. And so those social media influencers themselves need representation. So you know, when it comes to digital and business, things are changing very quickly. Um, these are definitely exciting times. And um, you should check out Mitch's website, influencer.lawyer, to learn perhaps uh, even some people here in this room might uh, might want to take advantage of his services. Um, also, Thank you, Ross. It's good sure. Also, um, Brian Fanzo, what can you say? I mean, is there anybody more passionate about Twitter than than Brian is? I think the first time I I ever saw Brian on Periscope, he was walking, I believe it was in San Francisco. I think it was a hilly. San Jose. San Jose. Jose. Okay. That was the famous rant about what you would do if you were going to run Twitter. That was just amazing. That was like basically my introduction to live streaming. And, you know, within a couple of days of that, I think I started live stream universe. Um, So. Uh. Um, uh, yes, Brian, you can see behind him with that whiteboard. He basically did a like a 30 to 45 minute strategy session um, on what he would do from different perspectives as far as um, making the most of the relationship between the NFL and and Twitter. Um, you definitely want to watch that video. Um, you know, Brian's motto. You can see it on his hat. Think like a fan. Couldn't be more perfect for this topic. Um, check out his website. It's isocialfans.com. He also has a speaker website. Um, it's brianfanso.com. And you can also, of course, find him at isocialfans uh, across social media. 
And finally, Vincenzo Landino from here. You're in the uh, I feel like this is like uh, what was that old game show? Like it was like the tic-tac-toe thing. Four square, I think. What was it uh, called? Like, you know, they had people like in the in the center square and they'd be like a celebrity or whatever. It was a celebrity square. Celebrity squares. Hollywood squares. Yes, Hollywood squares. So um anyway, Vincenzo is the CMO at uh 52creative.co. Um he hosts the Brand Boost co- podcast every single day of the week. And you also have a sports podcast, Vincenzo. Tell us tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it's a sports marketing podcast that I uh, we st- started with Lauren Creeden, who now is the head of business development at Huddle for basketball uh, all over the country. And so we do a sports marketing podcast. We focus on really what's going on in sports, but on the marketing marketing side of things. So it's not just uh, it's not Sports Center type stuff, Ross. It's really focusing on who's doing what to promote themselves the best, who is putting themselves out there, who's adjusting to new technology who is embracing the think like a fan, um, you know, motto, so to speak, or the creed, the think like a fan. And um, yeah, that, that, that right now is on a little bit of a hiatus because Lauren just got the job at huddle. So right, right. congrats to her, but we uh, will be back and, um, and we'll be back and doing that as soon as, as she gets kind of rolling with that gig. So people can find you at brandboostcast.com at vincenzolandino.com. And you're Vincenzo Landino just about everywhere on social media except for Instagram, where you're Vincenzo dot Landino. <laughs> and Mitch is at Mitch Jackson everywhere except for Snapchat, right? Where you're at C A underscore lawyer, right? That's right, Ross. You're good. I know. Okay. I'm, I'm impressed, man. I'm impressed. That's impressive. That's so let's intro. let's um let's start out with uh the basics of this deal, okay? It's cool. it's ten million dollars a game for ten Thursday night games. It's not exclusive rights because the game will be broadcast obviously on either CBS, NBC, in addition to being simulcast on the NFL network. So it's ten games Thursday night. I think games. Verizon has it. I think Verizon too. Right, right. So it's not exclusive rights. They do get um some ad buys, right? Like they get some ad space, but not a lot. The national TV ads are going to be most of the ads that go on the live stream, but they get some of the local ads. I don't but, know whether it's enough that they can even make money off of ads, ad sales, because that's like a really small segment of each hour are the are the like local ad buys. So one of the things that's kind of interesting is is Yahoo had um, the rights to a game last year and they paid 20 million dollars for those rights. And that was for one game that took place at like six in the morning from Europe. Right. So for 10 games. It's only costing tw- Twitter ten million dollars, so that's quite a deal, right? It's quite a bargain. Why did why and and just anybody jump in who who wants to take this? Why Twitter? Why did they decide to go with Twitter when they probably had other companies bidding for this um, that that would have spent more money? What is it? What is unique about Twitter that they said we got to go to Twitter? I say let Brian take this one. Yeah. So I mean, I think. Um... Thanks. Um, I think, you know, they can thank, first off, Yahoo for doing what Yahoo does best recently, which is just drop the ball. No pun intended there. But, um, you know, like I, I think Yahoo, um, without question, like um, had some very 
um, wise people at the head of their marketing and social space, um, Beverly Jackson being one of them. Um, and she left uh, two years ago to, or a year and a half ago, I guess, to go to um, MGM Properties. And I think they've been downhill ever since when it comes to this kind of integration. But um, I think here, I think actually, you know, the, the rumor is, and we haven't heard the f- official yet, but actually, you know, Twitter's bid was actually lower than um, a couple of the other bids that had come in. But I think the NFL needed to find a way to match it. And the thing is, you brought it up, you know, it's a simulcast that is also being simulcast to the NFL network. So they called it, they called it three prong. So they have broadcast TV because CBS and NBC are splitting it. They have cable with uh, the NFL network, and then they have digital with Twitter. And I think, let's face it, um, we, I mean, I'm a big Facebook fan. I actually love Facebook as a platform. Um, I, I know Enzo was more sold on Facebook Live than I was. I'm now much more of a fan, especially with their most recent update. But when we're talking about live, real-time engagement and conversations, I think Twitter not only is the home, but it, it's the logical choice. I mean, the reason I signed up for Twitter and my first three years on Twitter were under Pittsburgh underscore fans. I blogged and was a part owner of a site called SteelerNation.com. And it was me connecting with the fans that I left when I moved from Pittsburgh to Virginia Beach. So the idea of offline events, the re- I think if Twitter could do anything right, it's that offline events are the number one place where people sign up for Twitter because it's live active engagement. You can connect conversations online and offline. So in my opinion, it's the logical choice. It's the smart choice. But it still surprised me. Because let's face it, Twitter's buzz and Twitter's conversation right now recently has not been anything exciting. And I think they've kind of been all over the place. So I think it was a a very smart strategic decision. But I'm curious to see really what some other numbers are and some of the limitations. But 10 million is like, I mean, that's so cheap, too. That that is exceptionally low for for NFL rights. Um, Mitch, what do you think um, from from a business standpoint – from from an avatar advertiser or marketer, what do you think um, will be the appeal? I mean, do you think? Um, I, I just looking at, at what Vincent or Orlick Orlick wrote, and it's amazing. Like he he mentioned that okay, they don't have um, the same ability to sell advertising on the broadcast, but they can sell advertising across Twitter, right? Because yeah, but- you know, people who go to Twitter for other other things or go to watch the game are going to scroll and scroll. So anywhere they sell advertising on their platform, they can leverage this increased audience, right? And that could that could raise. So anyway, I just just go from a business business perspective, yeah, Mitch. Yeah. What, you, what you think? Well, look according to according to Morgan Stanley's article today, um, Twitter. Uh, look, they're not going to make money on this particular deal. This isn't an advertising play, in my opinion. This is a long term play. This is like when the NFL first broadcasted a game back in the late '30s and early '40s when it came to a whole season. Before then, people were watching NFL games and listening to NFL games on the radio. They weren't watching it on the radio. They were listening to it on the radio. And in the late 30s, early 40s is when TV took over. And because of the television rights in the 60s, the National Football League became more popular than Major League Baseball. I mean, that's the reason. And what I see happening here is I see a live streaming platform getting its foot in the door, as it did last year, because it was already affiliated with the NFL last year, in making a play, an early play on mobile technology to watch the games so that it can position itself for future success. Last year, one-third of all NFL games were watched in one way or another on a mobile device or a mobile phone. And that statistic's mind-blowing when you think about it. Um, 
What's going to happen is if Twitter's successful with integrating and educating the consumer and educating the fan, educating the NFL, educating, when I say Twitter, I mean Twitter and their representatives, people like Brian and Vincenzo, uh, getting the NFL on board and showing them exactly what can happen, the team owners on board to show them what can happen, the players on board and the fans on board. This is just a great first turn of the knob, shall we say, that we saw back in the late 30s and early 40s to introduce the fans, the consumer, and the rest of America and the rest of the world to a whole new real-time bi-directional digital live streaming technology that's going to change everything. I mean, last year, the NFL's gross revenues, uh, it was grosser than that. I'm not sure, Brian. It was $7.2 billion. Yeah, 7.2, yep. You know, and uh, to put things into perspective, and this is what blew me away, you guys, is I was looking at those numbers, $7.2 billion, that's more money than all of Steven Spielberg's movies have grossed put together. That's enough money to buy four space shuttles. That's enough money to fund 10 trips to Pluto by the state space program. You take that kind of revenue and you take the limited fan base that we really do have with watching these games on television and expanding it globally, expanding it to 24-7, expanding it so that we can all watch using these devices and expanding it such that the live streaming platforms that we all enjoy and understand and we, we get the benefits, they can take those benefits into an NFL game both before, during, and after the game. I mean, it's, it's going to be you know, mind-boggling what we're going to be seeing over the next 10 to 20 years. And I, I think for the NFL, too, I mean, the fact that Twitter has a global reach means obviously you're going to turn new people onto the game, right? And then with that comes merchandising and all different types of, you know, hats and jerseys. And and, and, and you have a whole opening, whole new markets to sell to. Um, I, I think Twitter's reach is more global than probably most other social networks. But Well, I think it's the unfiltered, right? So I call it the global unfiltered firehose, right? Because it's, it's the idea where you can connect with people based, I mean, and you're used to going to connecting with people based on the Google being the, the hashtag, but I don't know, something I, I might disagree with Mitch on in the sense of the ad side, I actually, we talked a little bit about the target with the brand side. I mean, when, when right now there's hashtags involved with everything, if you watch the NCAA tournament, it felt like um, they pulled in more tweets in that event than I've probably ever seen on a sporting event, which was pretty impressive. Um, but you know, when, when today, when the commercial comes on, when, 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 when a live sporting event goes to a commercial, either you go get a beer, you go to the bathroom or you check Twitter and Snapchat, right? I mean, like, that's really what you're doing for the conversation. And I think the interesting piece will be if you're watching it in line, in your Twitter feed or in the Twitter app, the, the Twitter brands that are actually now taking advantage of that downtime to present relative content that's sponsored, maybe even pinned, maybe even, um, you know, somehow you know scrolled or ticketed around the bottom of that that's going to take twitter advertisement to a targeted approach which i think twitter's biggest issue has been twitter targeting on ads is really hard like it's taken me probably 30 ad buys on twitter to master that and now i'm getting like a four cents click-through rate on a couple ads that i'm running right now but i think that from a brand perspective taking advantage of the time that used to be eyes off TV, eyes to phone, and now being eyes on phone, eyes in Twitter, staying in Twitter, that's a pretty powerful concept. Very much like Snapchat's latest update where it opens the web browser app. You click on a link, it opens it within the app. Now more people, when they're watching social video, are going to engage in social conversation during the downtimes. 
And, and Brian, I think I agree with you. It's all about the ad revenue is going to fund and generate and propel this whole concept. My comments just had to do with this upcoming year. I yes. mean, this upcoming year, we've got a $10 million play and $6 million in expected ad revenue. Right. So they're getting their foot in the door for the long-term play, like you just described. It's going to be huge. And I was wondering how much, and maybe Vincenzo might have some thoughts, how much we'll see Super Bowl ads on live streaming platforms, maybe Twitter, in five or 10 years, how much are they going to go for? Will it be more? Will it be less? I have a feeling it's going to be more global in nature in more real time. The numbers could be staggering. Yeah, and I think it's, it, you know, that bring, you bring up a good point, but I, I, we are still quite a ways away from that. Twitter, any social media network still has to prove that it has longevity of television, right? So just look at the amounts of money paid you know, by Twitter, by NBC and CBS. I still look at that and I wonder, okay, well, NBC and CBS paid $45 million per game for the same 10 games, right? And Twitter pays 10 million for 10 games. Well, why is that? So I'm, I'm still curious as to do advertisers, do brands take Twitter seriously, take social seriously? I mean, you and I know that. That's fine. That's great. So yeah. I, I talked to some of my – I talked today I talked to a few of my friends who I know that don't use Twitter at all. They are what I consider the typical consumer. They are huge sports fans, huge football fans. They, uh, they gamble a ton as well. So they're spending money in that arena <laughs> too, um, giving Vegas lots of money. And they said, I said, hey, do you, would you guys watch games on Twitter? And they said if that was the only way to watch the game, yes. I would go and sign up for an account tomorrow. So it still tells me that until they get exclusive, exclusive rights, you're still going to have a lot of those people. And again, well, I mean, but I, I would argue that's the problem with Twitter's mindset as a whole. They've right. They have, absolutely. They have to get that user that doesn't mm -hmm. know anything about Twitter and has no plans on doing it. My thing is, why don't they actually get the people that are actually using Twitter to stay on Twitter when these kind of events are going on? Or let's say, you know, like one of the, I mean, the big piece for me also is the exclusive rights to before and after the locker room for Periscope, right? And you can watch those streams inside of your Twitter feed. My guess, and I, this isn't mm -hmm. any um, privileged information, I know nothing more than anybody else, is we will also be able to comment and engage in Periscope feeds within the Twitter app by the time the NFL season comes along with this feature as well. So now you're thinking about, okay, a lot of fans tweet when they're at a live a game or they're tailgating or they're at a party and everybody's talking about the, you know, the Jets versus the Patriots. Well, now you're able to watch the Periscope and comment in line in Twitter. You're now able to watch the video on there. I don't think it's going to, it's not going to take my eyes away from a 60 inch screen TV, but it will when I'm doing anything else, but sitting on the couch, watching a Thursday night game on the road at a friend's house, traveling in a hotel that doesn't have the NFL network. That now is a whole new audience that will now be able to consume it in, in line and Twitter that they never planned on doing before. But Brian, you are, you are admittedly talk fast, tweet faster. So you are Mr. Twitter. All of us here are well-versed in how to use Twitter. Again, I go back to the people like my friends that I talk to that have never really used Twitter at all. How do you get them to engage? How do you get them to care about Facebook? How do you get them to do more than just watch the game for free? Because that's what it comes down to. Now, if they allow you to watch the stream without having a Twitter account, which I understand they that's kind of Twitter, that's Twitter's play, right? Mm -hmm. Is to get people that are not on Twitter because they're going to have plenty of data. 
but how do you monetize those individuals? I don't think you monetize. Right? That's an ed- that's an education play. It's educating the value of if all of a sudden you see all of your all of your fellow Jets fans all of a sudden tweeting alongside of the game, you're gonna go. Oh wait, I can talk to them and talk. But, come on, hold on a second. Hold on. Just wait. Step back for one second from what you're saying. Just hear me out. Do you really think? Because I know my friends would not do more than simply watch the game for free. They don't care to engage. Now, again, I'm talking about different than you and I, bro. Are they passionate NFL fans? They're passionate NFL fans, but they're not going to sit there and engage on Twitter and talk to people they don't. And again, I'm playing devil's advocate here because this is the stuff I get all the time. When I'm watching a game, when I'm watching a Steelers game and I'm interacting with my Steelers friends online who are not real not real to yeah. everybody else in the room. Yeah. They're like, why, why, why are you taking, you know, who cares that you're talking to blah, 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 blah. Like who's Brian Fanzo? I don't know Brian Fanzo. I don't know this person. I don't know that person. So how does, how do you get them to use the platform? And you're not getting them to use the platform. If you're, you know, educate, like I understand what you're saying, education, that's great. But is it really teaching people how to use Twitter more so than just well, I can consume content on this this Twitter thing. Well, let me let me let me jump in. Let me Go jump ahead. in because because I was around and doing business before the internet, and that was the question: How are we going to get people to use the internet? Why would anybody want to use a dial-up modem to use the internet? Fast forward to today, and look what's happened. I really could care less about Twitter's engagement with the NFL. What I'm excited about is the whole real-time live streaming interaction with professional sports. Right now, Twitter's got this play for the next year for 10 million bucks. And if they handle it right, maybe they can parlay this into the next five or 10 years. But what I see happening, you guys, is people will want to see pregame interviews in their locker room by an influencer with a mobile device in his or her hand, interviewing a wide receiver and talking to that wide receiver how he's going to get past the best defensive back in the league. I see people at a halftime coaching Um, strategy meeting, listening to the coaches talking about in a private live stream channel, how they're going to shut down uh, the passing, the passing offense of the other team to keep them to under seven in the third quarter. I see after the game, these private one-on-one intimate conversations because of live streaming. And right now, if Twitter plays it correctly, people will come to the live streaming platform to watch this stuff whether it's on a mobile device, whether it's being uh, Chromecasted to the flat screen so the whole family can watch. I mean, it's one of these things where imagine the future of live streaming and pro sports as being a page in a book. This is the first sentence. And where the rest of this page is written will dictate how inventive uh, the owners of the teams are and the leagues of the team. Look, NFL football's big business. Imagine this conversation with global soccer. No, yeah, well... But oh, I mean, that's, a good point. that's a whole other conversation. The reason I brought out the money aspect, though, um, Mitch and Brian probably knows more of the details than I do of the actual con, you know, the, the rights. Ten, you know, again, something, something just doesn't sit right with me about the price they paid because how much access are they going to get for that price? That's now, the only question I'm the, wondering. The reason that the, the reason that I was the reason I've read about the price limitation is because they have no control on the actual broadcast. Therefore, it's they're they're paying simulcast rights, where that's where the price went from 200 million to 10 million because the actual influence they have on the actual play by play, the word that's going on is zero. They have zero. It's a. I mean, it's literally like 
it's like Blab putting it in the top in the top. So they're going to take the feed from like NBC and show NBC. Well, here, here's why they here's what it is. It's it's that they don't have like when NBC or CBS buys the rights for all like. I don't know. They pay like forty-five million per game or something oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, right? five hundred and fifty a, a they year. Can, they can sell all the network allocated spots, which are a ton of spots for all the money they want to make. Twitter is a is basically like your local affiliate that shows the game, right? They get a couple of ads uh, an hour. They get two to three minutes an hour, right? Twitter's getting a couple of ad spots an hour that they can sell. So they don't have the monetization on, on the advertising available to them that the network that's broadcasting the game and is the, the really the true over-the-air um, rights holder has. So that's what the difference is, that it's a, it, their, their money-making opportunity is smaller. Now, why it's it's $10 million or $1 million a game when Yahoo had to pay Twenty Seven. million last year to broadcast at four in the morning or whatever. I'm I'm not sure I understand why they went down that much. Other than Yahoo seems like it's a yesterday's platform, and and Twitter has has more more reach, and Twitter's popular with NFL players, and it's popular with teams, and it, it's well, popular think- with fans, and it's where people stay up to date on fantasy football and all this. And I think there's a need, like right, to reach. The, the younger generation, like I remember when I was in college, right? The weekend started on Thursday night. You'd be out on Thursday night. So now, you you know, if your favorite team plays on Thursday night or you're a big fantasy football guy and one of your players, you know, that, that you need to have a big game, whatever, you can just take your phone with you wherever you go and you can you can constantly be checking in on the game. Now, as as Vincenzo said, will that guy t- will that guy then come back the next day or woman and tweet? Will that person actually sign up for a Twitter account or will they just take advantage of of watching a free free stream? I assume it's somewhere in between, right? Like a certain number of people will actually want to learn more about the of platform, course, of course, and of that's course, but that's how they're rolling the dice. Well, from, but if you're just coming back on right? Thursdays. If you're just coming back on Thursdays, how do you really like where's the monetization there? Yeah, but I don't think there needs to be a monetization. Let's remember Twitter's biggest problem is they, they don't have their average user. The people that understand Twitter, not your friends, the ones that are average users on Twitter. People still don't know how to use it, when to use it, where they find value in it. Right. So, so I, how does Twitter, NFL help them use it, Brian? Because it gives them another reason to be on the platform. It gives them it's a contract. hashtag association. And then it also plugs Periscope into the conversation of people that don't give a crap about what we are doing on Periscope today. And I think mm-hmm. the interesting thing here is I think Twitter is going to botch this when it comes to who's Periscoping behind the scenes because here's the thing. The NFL, the NFL network, I'm so tired of four and a half hours of pregame from the same yahoos that are then getting on and talking about the game for four hours. I mean, the, the, the pregame lead up for the NFL has turned into such a joke where we're, where it's just really just another reason for ESPN not to play poker replays before the, before, you know, one o'clock on a, on a Sunday. But what I'm afraid yeah, of, it's is, unwatchable. Most of that stuff now, <laughs> which, which is, I think the interesting play here from Periscope is if they're able to give exclusive 
access to the locker room to pre and post and to those people like you were saying mitch from a view of someone that we do do not already have to be flooded with their nonsense then this can be a powerful thing but what i'm afraid i see this happening is twitter goes right to the the big analysts to shannon sharp and they go to you know michael irvin and they say go click this button and hold up the phone like a selfie and interview somebody or even worse hold it way back in the locker room and they stand there for five minutes where I, I would love for them to see, you know, it, let's, let's create a brand advocate. I would rather have what the Pittsburgh Penguins do with Periscope after the game. One of their social media managers sits in there and inter- and watches the whole Sidney Crosby interview. And then they ask the, the player two questions from the Periscope feed. So you know what I do after every Penguin game? I turn that on even when I don't watch the Penguin game. I turn that on so that I can see them interviewing the NHL players. How awesome would that be? But I'm afraid the NFL is going to look this at. It's going to be a play for more of those analysts to get more time where I would love for it to be more of a fan type perspective. I know it's not going to be like some guys in the stands, but and the, the Brian, NFL, you and I just culture, saw- they, they guard, they guard information. Like it's a state secret. I mean, like the, the third string tight end nicked his, his, his toenail and, and forget about trying to get a, a coach to give you an honest answer about whether he'll practice on Tuesday, let alone, you know, what he's doing for strategy or whatever. So, um, even though the NFL network, because it's the NFL network and because like, like Brian was saying, they use they use ex players, they get a little more access. But even that's much more guarded. Um, the only the coolest thing, I think, is is the sound that they get and they show on. Um, I think it's inside the NFL. That's amazing stuff. Yeah, but that, that's the stuff. OK, so let's say but even that that's highly produced. It's highly screened. It's not real real-time video right <laughs> right but the but i don't want the i don't want the pre-game rah-rah um we all we all know I, what i want is i want access to the the locker room the head of the locker room when he rolls out and he puts all the jerseys down at every single player's uh locker i want to see as the players are coming down like you know you see the on uh monday night football does it really well they're getting out of the bus and you see big ben with his headphones on i want access mm-hmm. to that as they're walking into the locker room as they're saying you know that kind of i don't need access when the when the coach is in there rallying them up but i think that's the that's the thing i think that's that's an interesting play here is periscope is not replacing inside the nfl or hard knocks or um or a you professional youtube video or even what the broadcasting team is going to do they have to think of it beyond that what what better exclusive access what more unique exclusive access can you get because let's face it thursday night football the lineup is pretty pathetic from a, from a competitive perspective of the Horrible. 10 games that they got. But if you gave me access and you gave me part of it and you said, hey, we're also going to get two of the players that come out here after they get uh, to their locker and answer your questions, I'm going to watch on Periscope every single Thursday pregame on Periscope inside the Twitter app, which now gets me inside of Twitter. I think that is the, the interesting element. But I think there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs there where we've learned now Twitter is it's like Facebook. Facebook, pay, the rumor now, not rumor, the truth is Facebook is paying a lot of media companies to use Facebook Live. Well, guess who they're picking? Buzz Sumo or BuzzFeed, Huffeting Post, Ryan Holmes from LinkedIn. They're not paying. Yeah, but that's the problem. 
doing it the old way, doing it the controlled way, doing it that I want to give it to only NFL players does not create fan advocates, does not give unique access. It just does what we already did on regular video now on your phone. And it's even worse. Don't take it's like taking a, a, a regular website and saying you made it mobile by just making it shrink down on a nine inch screen. Now, that's not mobile website. A mobile website increases uses mobility, proximity, Bluetooth, uh, airdrop. And I think if they if they think of this as a from a TV to a phone, it's going to be horrible. But if they think about it and say, what can my phone now give me that TV could never have given me? That's the game changer. Guys, let's let's attack some of these these good questions here. Um Rachel Moore asks, um, are they going to create a native Twitter live stream or use an integrated app like Periscope? So I think they're they're going to probably utilize moments from what we understand. Yeah, it looks like it'll be Periscope natively broadcast because before and after. And then moments would actually have the the broadcast actually within the app of Twitter. You know, and I think that's a mistake, though, Brian. Really? Why? It's two different apps. And I think for... it's it's still in one app. Well... It's but you still Periscope itself in oh. order to interact. It's still a separate app. It won't be like that when they, by the time the NFL comes. Okay, my, so you're saying my, there's a change. I on. I believe. Do you predict that or do you know that? Come on, say it right now. I believe this is. I believe. Okay. This so is, he knows something we don't know. That'd be awesome. I believe this is gonna. I believe this news um, confirms the roadmap plans of Periscope. I guess if you say it that way, right? I'm a podcast host. I'm gonna push. That's what I'm gonna do, Brian. I'm gonna push you. I'm Not gonna yet. push. You the damn answers my man here, here's why that's so important you guys the reason it's so important and one thing we haven't talked about it's fan engagement it's yes. it's these platforms allow you to communicate with fans around the world while the game's taking place it allows you to communicate with somebody down on the field imagine if a ball boy next standing next to tom brady had one of these when he was pumping up his footballs i mean that would be so much fun to watch let me give you an analogy i was sitting i'm a big supercross fan i rode and raced motocross for yeah three, i liked your post on yeah. that 38 years, and um, there's a kid coming up who has since been world champion. His name is Villapoto. And when Villapoto was coming up, uh, there was another kid riding named Bubba Stewart, who was the fastest guy on the track. He just couldn't keep his bike upright all the time. And I'm on the couch, and Supercross does a really good job of integrating, not necessarily live streaming, but live tweets from the pitch. You're talking to the mechanics. You're They're interviewing the riders and what have you. And I'm just getting into it in the middle of a race. All of a sudden, I get a tweet from Mario Andretti, who happens to be a Supercross fan, one of the greatest race car drivers of all time. And he was a Villapoto fan. He goes, I think this Villapoto kid's something special. And so we we tweeted back and forth for about five minutes before he got bored and went someplace else. It made my night. It made me go out and grab three other dads and go to the Supercross here in Anaheim at the Big A the following week. And we spent 125 bucks each. It wasn't inexpensive. But it was that fan engagement, that unknown, that uncertainty. And all of a sudden, you're talking with people that you'd never connect with. Oh, it was so exciting. And I think with the NFL, that excitement level can raise substantially, especially if you do what, what the three of you are talking about and use live streaming the, the right way at the games as opposed to putting it into the hands of the wrong person that's going to screw it up. But you know what? If Twitter puts this into the wrong hands and if they don't get it right, the year after next, there'll be another company that comes in and takes it over and they'll learn from the prior year's mistakes and and they'll get it right eventually. That's the way it works. 
supply and demand. It may take some time, but I got to tell you guys, I mean, that's why Supercross was so fun for me is you were looking at live shots from the tracks. They really went out of their way to just put everything on the screen. You're watching the game and you've got live tweets coming across the bottom of the screen. Yeah, they gave, they they gave you a, it's that, I mean, the whole thing, like a fan thing came out of it was really, yeah. it was inspired by, um, you know, in full credit, when I was talking to Lauren Teague, who was the social media manager at the PGA Tour, and she was the, the social media manager there. And I was going to one of the events that was happening in Tucson, Arizona. And she said, hey, Brian, um, you won't believe where I'm at. And she snaps me a picture and she's on the private driving range. Um, on her knees taking Instagram pictures for the PGA Tour of Tiger Woods' private warm-up before he had even been announced that he was going to actually be in the lineup for that, that golf match. And all I said was, leave it up to you, Lauren, to think like a fan and get that kind of access. I and she's it. like, oh, I like that thing like a fan. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to coin that because I think that's where we need to give this exclusive access that even me as a fan going to that event could not get. And that's what you're saying. I think, I think if you want to create... Brought to you by Callaway Golf Clubs. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, it's it's a it's an are interesting. You, are you legally able to say that? I just did. So sue me. <laughs> going to. I know a good lawyer. <laughs> but I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brian. Keep going. I, I but I mean that's the type of interaction in real time that could happen, right? Yes, and I think I think if we're looking at this from like how can Twitter be better at being Twitter with this? I don't think that's actually even the play. I think what about you? Know, like right now when you go on Facebook and Facebook knows what your favorite sports team are, it tells you like. Do you want to tweet about the score of the Pirates game or the or the Steelers game or or the NCAA game? Like, there's an element of Facebook trying to get into that real time um, conversation. Now, Twitter has a has a vehicle that makes sense. Like, I love geo filters for Snapchat. I think they're a game changer because it, you can only leverage them if you're at the event, if you're at that physical proximity. So imagine now if they actually integrate some kind of filter or some kind of added bonus where your tweet is is now has the colors of your team when you're tweeting at the at the actual live event. So now every Thursday, and I think the other play is if they think about this as only a Thursday night game, they're going to miss the mark. They need to have a plan to implement Twitter training, Twitter swag, Twitter NFL integration for the, for spring, for um, the weigh-ins and the things that are happening in a month, in a month, they're going to start getting the, the NFL combine, um, you know, uh, outproofs. And that's the piece where they need to be there. Twitter needs to be on the ground, turning all of those people into advocates. So I'm interviewing the head of digital for the Kansas city chiefs uh, next week on the podcast. And I, I'm going to push him for some questions. I'm going to push him for a little bit of this. Uh, but it's funny because I, when we were scheduling the interview, he said after next week, he's like, it's pretty much blackout because of the NFL draft. Again, the NFL controls that they're controlling what what's going on there. So, I mean, he literally was like, yeah, there's pretty much after what's next week, the 13th. I think I'm interviewing him. He's like, after that, it's pretty much off limits. I was like, oh, Okay. Well, reg- regulated industries are is is a, a an excuse and a crutch for brands that are scared of change and don't want to embrace this. You know, if they really want to do it, let's hire me. I'll be a Twitter employee that'll sit on the NFL property and I will I will be the one that understands that my risk first reward, if I screw up, if I g- give away intellectual property, I don't stay within my bands, but I'm able to have periscope rights to tell the story from everything except for what I'm not able to do. I guarantee that we could add a massive amount of value. The problem ends up being they're going to look at it and go well twitter will give you access to this and you only have thursday night well i don't even think twitter should ask permission twitter should have right now 10 employees as seats inside of the nfl draft at the general nfl draft location don't ask the nfl for it go buy the seats you know i mean this is things that i think 
they know they don't need to play within the contract. They need to now be the integrated part because I think the bigger play is for some of the other sporting events. Like you said, soccer world cup. I think the Olympics is a very interesting conversation because the global unfiltered fire hose that the, really the only social network that today is connecting third world countries with all other places is Twitter, not Facebook because, and it's sadly, it's just because of a, it's a um, more of the uh, how much bandwidth and how much data the two apps take. But I think the play for Twitter has to be, go all in with this. And I mean, be fully integrated because every other sport could leverage this. Hey, maybe that becomes what Twitter ends up being. It ends up being the social, uh, the social highway for sporting conversation. That's a huge revenue. Then they're not being Facebook and they don't even have to compete with anything else. And Periscope becomes what that live stream uh, sports app should have been. Hey guys, let, let me bring in this idea from um, David Bond, who says, you know, he believes the NFL is doing this um, for for having a position of control. Essentially, there's so much li- so many so many cameras now, so many people capturing video and everything else. The NFL basically is saying we're going to try and take control of this as much as possible. Sure. This isn't so much about access as it's about limiting. Um, limiting who's doing what right and saying we're going to be the ones to stream it before somebody else does and we have to chase them down right i don't don't know if i exactly captured david's comments but that's that's kind of the i think that's the idea behind right what do you guys think of that i think that david is onto something there i mean control you're right i mean think about like brian brian's talked about with uh, the Pacquiao fight was being periscoped and they were trying to, they were trying to, you know, catch people that were periscoping and shut down accounts and this and that. So the NFL saying, you know what, fine, you want, you want to start periscoping or you want to start doing it. We're just going to get ahead of it. And I think it, uh, I think it thwarts off the fan that w- would want to broadcast from the stadium as it is. I mean, I think, aren't there some stadiums that are like setting up Wi-Fi blockers or something? No, no this, no, this or, is the did, first year. Somebody said that, right? This is the Which first is, year that they'll have full Wi-Fi enabled every single NFL stadium. So exactly. extreme, extreme networks, extreme networks implemented it into eight stadiums last year. It's yep. fully enterprise wide. So every single NFL stadium, because the Steelers did not have it last year, right. every single NFL stadium will now have Wi-Fi. Every and I think this is the piece where I actually think the the control element is actually in what platform the teams use. So now it's Periscope is the only approved one, right? Because that's Let's face it, the NFL teams, are they all know how this works. They get an approved platform. They get an approved social media app. They get an approved phone. They can't. I mean, I was at the Super Bowl, and we had to put um, tape over the back of our Apple logos because the Super Bowl city was actually sponsored by Dell, and you're not allowed to have Apple logos being there. We were still allowed to use our logo, our Apple machines. We just had to put a tape over it, which is like even you know funnier because it draws more attention to that logo that most people don't even care about. But I think the point of the control element that I think is really interesting here is in the, in Jack Dorsey's conversation or in his quotes that he came out and said, he said, the goal will be to educate and empower teams and players and team represent uh, represent, representation to actually leverage Periscope and these pieces. So now I think this is a fun one because yes, you know, NFL players tweet out stupid stuff all the time. You can't fix stupid, but I think there is a point where now when, when they're on the bus coming across, 
Big Ben, or let's say not Big Ben because it's going to be someone else. You know, like Max Starks, the offensive lineman of the Steelers, fires up his Periscope feed and he hits live and the NFL and Twitter prioritize it. I'm now watching the bus conversation as it comes, comes into the thing because I think our culture is now changing to be much more forgiving and open to, let's say, the inappropriateness or the randomness or the things that you might expose by doing this. And I think the NFL is smart by kind of embracing it. We'll see if like, you know, you get some F-bombs that are that are passed on there. I mean, there is a little bit of a delay. We'd see what, I mean, we'll see what they actually kind of, uh, you know, incorporate with that as well. There, there's some questions about the broadcast. Basically, they are just taking what's the over-the-air broadcast, what you would see on the NFL Network or, or CBS, NBC, and they're showing that on, on Twitter. It's not somebody... Well- holding a phone right. and he, there's not going to be separate. There, there's some different questions about there's not going to be separate broadcasters or anything. But even the like NFL that. network, even the NFL network lost the rights to do their own broadcast on Thursday night. So CBS and NBC now have the rights and the NFL network is just a simulcast on Thursday right. nights as well. Right. So right. they, right. so technically the experience that you get on NFL, you know, two seventeen on, on uh, direct TV is the exact same video feed that you were going to get in your Twitter feed for those 10 games. Yep. For those 10 games. Do you think, okay, so here's this because CBS is a free channel, right? It's an over the air. I can buy a $35 HD antenna. Why? Why would I want to watch it on on uh, on Twitter? You're you're not. They're not trying to get eyeballs off of the free. I, I think it's this not, pl- not eyeballs off. What I'm saying is for cord cutters. I know cord cutters. Amy Schmidauer's in here. She has an HD antenna for her local channels, including CBS and NBC, which would carry the game. And then she has Netflix because that's whatever. There's and there's no need for her to have any premium content. How do you how do you tell someone? Hey, you need to go sign up for a Twitter account to go watch the game when they can just get it there. Yeah, but I think that you're coming at it from the wrong. Am I? They're not. That's not who they want to get. It's the people that are already Twitter users. Let's face it. Right now, there's uh, three hundred. I disagree with you there. There's three hundred. Really? Yeah. Because if they got three hundred sixty users, Twitter users, three hundred sixty million Twitter users to be using Twitter for four more hours a week, advertisement drastically changes by one point eight billion dollars. One point eight billion dollars. Where are you getting your getting, number from? Um, that's from the Twitter. So if you go to Twitter, Jack Dorsey's interview um, with Twitter, it's, I think uh, uh, Wall Street Journal posted it. Okay. It's, it's, it's the, the connection between four more hours of active use of their current user base that right now, let's face it, is a passive user. So they're, that, they're that, assuming that every single user is going no, to watch NFL football? No, no. I'm saying total, like total number, not, not all 360 are going to be on during that hour. But the idea would be that that's their target audience to give them another reason to stay on Twitter, not leaving Twitter. Because that's the I, I think that's been the problem with Twitter since day one. When they're trying to – the reason their stock is down is not because they don't have enough new users. It's because their current users don't find value in it, lose interest, or only use it at live events. I, I would – see, I would disagree that there's such a – there's so much – there's a huge difference between a user like you, like Brian, anybody that is watching this blab right now is not normal, right? In terms of Twitter, like the Twitter users, when you look at a Twitter user like this and you look at a Twitter user, again, I use my brother as a huge example because he's a typical Twitter user where he uses it to check out like Adam Schefter. And if you guys don't know who Adam Schefter is, he's like, the best. Uh, he's one of the better uh analysts of of football and And he's the best social analyst there is and he's great on social media so my brother will check that but i mean it's very very passive it's a tweet here and there i asked my brother 
hey, would you watch the game on Twitter? He said, absolutely not. I want to watch it on my big screen. I said, "Will you? would you watch it if it was the only place? He said, well, of course, if it was the absolute only place I could watch it, sure, then that's then I would. But here's the thing. Like, I, how do you take – how do you convince the people that are already on Twitter – don't watch that. Like out of 360 million, how many are in are interested in football? And, and then on top of it, like you said, the content, like, the content itself, it's it's Thursday night football games. The content bigger, isn't even that good. But right, it's, it's a bigger, the worst play, it's a bigger play, <laughs> but it's a bigger play than just than just Twitter this upcoming 12 months. I think they're look. They're not I'm just talking, looking I'm at talking, what's talking about it separately for each. So the, yes, it's a benefit to the NFL. So we have the NFL benefit, and then we have Twitter. So like, what's their play, right? And there's people saying ad revenue, and I agree with you 100, percent uh, Mitch. It's ad revenue at some point, no, right? At some point, yeah, not this point. year, not this year. But but remember, Vincenzo, remember it's it's one third of all the live streaming games last year. The NFL games that were live streamed were washed on mobile devices. And if Twitter can bring those people over to the Twitter platform to complement, instead of just watching something on live streaming, there's real-time engagement, there's real-time conversation. They're planting a seed, a seed that they can continue to nurture and water and grow for the next three, four, and five years Mm -hmm. to make something special happen. What I think has to happen is I actually think that the NFL, since we're talking about the NFL, they need to actually change their mindset and go Grateful Dead on football games. They need to encourage fans to come in, take advantage of the unlimited uh, broadband Wi-Fi, and stream the games and share photos and do live streams and do periscopes from the stand, almost unlimited. They need to encourage people to come in and and help, you know, it's help promote these events is what it is. People like me are going to watch it on HDTV. I'm not going to do just because it's a free feed from some guy sitting in row 42, seat seven. That's not going to. That's not where I'm going to have my eyeballs for three hours. But it will encourage the the uh, branding and the promotion and the marketing of the product. And I think once they do that, they're going to realize that it's good for everybody. And um, I think Twitter's play is a lot bigger than what we're talking about. I you know I don't yeah, think it's limited to these issues. Well, I think all the people in the comments, I mean, like, I would say if you're not getting value out of Twitter and you're, you're not a fan of Twitter, you're following the wrong people and not using it correctly. And I will stand by that because I believe that Twitter during a live sporting event, Twitter during any live event or any connecting event, if it is the Browns versus the Green Bay Packers and we know it's going to be 27 nothing in the very first quarter, I sure as hell am going to watch it on my Twitter feed, much more so because I can join in the conversation, I can bash the Browns, I can, you know, we can, we can do that kind of piece. But what I think you're into this as well is, I think right now the hardest part for live streaming on Periscope, what, I mean, to, to your question, Enzo, or to answer that piece, why would you watch it on NFL Network rather than CBS or NBC, which you would get for free as well? If you have CBS, if you have NFL Network, you have CBS and NBC, right? Like you can't, you're not going. So, right, so why would I watch it on Twitter? Right, I wouldn't but, go on Twitter. But, but that's sort of, a, Brian, that's sort of an unfair comparison because they're both of the same quality. I mean, it, you're talking about watching it on a little, on a, on a phone or on an iPad or a computer versus watching it on a big screen TV. I mean, the quality of video is going to be basically the same whether you watch it on, on NFL. Net. It's the exact same. You're proving my point. That's actually my point. I, don't, I think if no one's going to choose to leave CBS and NBC to go watch it on the NFL for the exact same concept. They would if they actually get an added benefit by leveraging it in the mobile device where all of a sudden every commercial it's the periscope from the sidelines that actually is replacing the commercial on there like so that's why my my point is 
We, we want experiences. People that are NFL fans that don't like the teams that are playing, which is going to be a lot of the Thursday night games, right? How do I get a better experience, increased experience? I mean, like, you could watch the, N- the NCAA March Madness from the UNC feed, from the, the uh, Villanova feed, or from the regular broadcast. You could do the fan view online. Like, those are all changing my experience to actually add value to me consuming this content. I believe that is where this play even this play comes into because – I'm not leaving a, a feed on my TV to go to another feed on my TV of the exact same thing, but I might leave it to get a new experience on my device so that when I go to the grocery store or when I'm, I'm traveling, I'm now consuming it and I don't feel like I'm locked on my couch. And I don't disagree with you, Brian, as a, cons- as a user of Twitter and as a social media, I guess, power user. Yeah, I think the exact same way you do. I'm sure that most people in this room think the same way, but for those that are not... And again, if you're telling me that's not the person that they want to get, I don't, I can't say that I agree. I don't think they're not trying to get the people that are off of Twitter. And I mean, listen, if you know something else, then I, I it is no, what it is. I don't, I don't know anything more. I mean, I've said this for day one. I, that, 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 the, the periscope that Ross is talking about, that he first saw me ever do a periscope walking down the street, I've said since day one that their strategy is wrong, that they're trying to get a Facebook user that's used to f- using Facebook and ha- doesn't even know what Twitter is to get over to Twitter. And their problem isn't those users. It's the fact that when you sign up, you get f- to follow Ellen DeGeneres, Oprah, and a Kardashian. You tweet at them. You stare at the screen. Nobody tweets back, and you say, this is a dumb platform. Now, <laughs> well, say, well you know, hold on. Okay, I, I would – so that user that has a, has a Twitter account, couldn't figure out any value in it, okay. all of a sudden says, you don't really care about this game, but you want to see how the interesting conversation is going on on Twitter and all these people that are, are talking about it. All of a sudden, you actually have a reason. I'm not saying it's a, a better reason, but what I'm actually saying is it is actually now – because right now, if you ask the average person how, average, hashtags, average how hashtags add value to Twitter – they say, oh, I have no clue. Actually, if you ask most marketers, they probably don't have any clue either, but that's just a, a bash at my own kind. Um, but I think, <laughs> I, I think of the hashtag, hashtag being the glue to unfiltered community conversation. And if they're able to actually establish that by letting people see how that works in, this, in that moment's feed, in that broadcast, I believe even if, it, if it's a 5% increase of people that now log into Twitter at a more regular or, uh, option, or guess what? On Sunday, when their team is playing, now they might actually find value or they might now have heard of Periscope and they might actually start Periscoping when they go to the event itself, right? Because this, this is a Periscope play too because we know video, I mean, uh, Zuckerberg said it yesterday. He believes 71% of all things shared on Facebook in five years will be live video. So this play for, for every one of these NFL fans that can't figure out why I need to use Periscope and how, why a hashtag is important in my Periscope feed could be educated on Thursday nights and now Periscoping on Sunday. And now how much user base do we increase? How many more I think people? I give people a lot of credit though, Brian. And, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I think that there's a lot of credit given to the average user that, you know, somebody mentioned it in the comments, how many people care enough to do that? That that's that's my point, and I I understand what you're you're coming from, but much like many of these platforms, people will sign up that one time and then never use it again, and that's have, the issue. Have you watched I, the U, Have you watched the UFC hashtag during a UFC game? It is probably the most exciting thing it's that a happens. Sport. And it, it's a different sport. You're, t- you're telling me the 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 rabid fan. If the NFL mm-hmm. was as good as social as the UFC is. Then that's a whole different topic, though. No, but. that's my point, though. This is their oppor- This is the opportunity for Twitter to educate the NFL, the NFL users, and the NFL experience. Because the UFC during the UFC fights, 
the hashtag conversation that happens between rabid fans. I don't believe there are more rabid fans than there are NFL fans. I think NFL fans live and bleed and, and support their team, spend a lot of money out of their pocket to support their team. There's more jersey sales in, in the NFL than there are any other sport in the United States. The, the, the piece here that's the interesting part is the NFL has been really bad. At, at, at getting for sure. their fans. So I think this is a, I think that that's why I think the, the Twitter play as someone that loves Twitter, of course I I'm, but I actually think it's a, it's a re it's a new reason to rediscover Twitter. And it's a, while you're rediscovering Twitter, you might not even like Twitter, but you've now discovered Periscope that now even gives you more exclusive access as a fan, which you might like that because you don't understand 140 characters, but you understand locker room access. Guys, uh, okay. let me, let me, let me jump in real quick. Go ahead, Mitch. From a, from a consumer standpoint, because I'm not a marketing expert, you get me access that I don't already have, okay, that's new, that's different, that gets me behind the scenes. You get me a connection where I don't have to watch commercials, okay, where I'm not interrupted all the time. And even if I'm not on a platform, that will generate interest for me to want to be on a platform. My father-in-law, who is in, he, he's, he's a, a wonderful gentleman, older, Mike the Milkman. You guys have written about him. He's a great guy. He just got an Amazon Echo for his birthday. Okay. Hello, Alexa. Play Benny Goodman. And he thinks it's the best thing since sliced bread. Here's somebody that would never have liked technology until he saw how easy it worked for him. And it allowed him to instantly access music that he likes to listen to all day long. If I can use a new live streaming platform to help, let's just say highlight my otherwise viewing experience on a flat screen in 4K, um, I'm going to eventually start using that platform, even though I don't know anything about it today. I think that is human nature. That is the way human beings are inquisitive creatures. And once they realize that they're not being disrupted, once they realize that these tools will give them access they don't otherwise have, that's where it starts becoming attractive. And that's where you start seeing momentum. And I think once again, with the internet, with social media and live streaming, that's what we've seen. It's gone from zero to hero, and it's taken a few years to get there, but it's a process that I think is pretty predictable. So, I mean, this so, is a predictable Mitch, situation. This doesn't just, surprise me. Just to, 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 to sort of back it out to, to where I look at this as what's in it for me, right? So what's in it for me is I'm never going to watch a game on Twitter that I can watch on TV any more than I'm going to just listen to a game on the radio that I'm going to that I can have the opportunity to watch it on TV, right? But if I'm stuck in the car when my favorite team's playing, then then that radio's a lifeline. Now Twitter is a lifeline on Thursday night when my favorite team's playing and I can't be in front of a TV and I'm not in my car, right? I'm out somewhere, and even if I, even if it's just during breaks in a meeting or something, I can pull out my phone and I can see what's going on. Um, but you know, I'm I'm probably only doing that once or twice a year, and so so how does how are marketers gonna gonna pull me in, or how is the league, or how is Twitter gonna pull me in? Because it, it's very much Easy. like this is – I mean, you take the NCAA tournament, right? I only went to watch the online feed on either my phone or a computer in one instance when my favorite team was done playing and they were having their press conference and I wanted to hear the players talking, and that was it. I wanted to hear the players and coaches and what they had to say directly rather than switching around and getting like little cu- 
clips of it because I'd followed the team all season long, and it was like awesome to just hear what they had to say after each win in the tournament. But otherwise, all this access that they provided, none, none of it pulled me in other than the three games or four games that I saw a team play that I wanted to see. The, the rest of it, for, for everybody else, it didn't matter to me. Now, I know I'm not typical because I, you know, of a sports fan, because I used to cover sports. And so I don't really want to work when I'm watching sports. So I don't play fantasy sports. I don't do anything. I just want, I love the idea. I can just watch the game and enjoy it. Right. I don't have, I don't want to pay attention to any of that stuff that to me, like playing fantasy sports would be like working. So I know I'm not typical in the, in that way, but other than somebody who's who's really passionate about fantasy sports, um, why why does somebody need to pull out their phone and 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 watch the live stream uh, on their phone um, when there's so many other things they could be doing? I, I personally don't think there is a re- there's not a reason right now for any fan to whip out the phone with the broadcasts available to them and watch the football game on their phone, especially a Thursday night game. This was Sunday. It might be a little bit different story, but there's no reason for me to take out my phone and watch it. Are you saying in my car? Like, why am I not home in my car? Like, what's the reason for it? I don't I don't think so. But I think I think the the one thing they can do is I, I do think access to an NFL locker room is is or access to NFL players for certain types of content is more interesting but than, we're, say, we're talking about two different things, though. Right, the right. Parents- Deal was different from the live stream from the streaming deal. Am I right, Brian? No, they're no, they're connected. Periscope was we knew the pair. We uh, Lauren and I did this on on our podcast right. months ago. T- Periscope was allowed. Was approved. They were not exclusive. Was approved. The deal they, was, but they, but the they deal were was they boxed out Facebook Live. So the 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 deal had just dropped in this the new with the NFL rights. Periscope was already approved in the locker room. Now mm-hmm. it's the only one that's allowed. So they, okay, they, but still, but. The, yeah. The only one that's allowed to stream from stream, the locker yes. room, right? Okay. So, so, that, but I, so I still think those are two separate products, right? There's the game, and then there's these before and afters. Now, the before and afters, I have more interest in the actual stream of the game. I'm personally, I will because I'm a power Twitter user. I'll probably watch it, but as a fan, it doesn't interest. As a normal everyday fan, I personally would not watch. It on Twitter, and again, I've done a so what, straw poll. So what about so what about if so? Let's say that it was a divisional game for the Cleveland Browns playing the Cincinnati Bengals on a Thursday night, and the NFL said during the game, uh, live tweeting during the game alongside of it will be Steelers Antonio Brown and will be uh, legendary uh, retired player from the Cleveland Browns tweeting alongside of the game while you're watching this game on your now like. These, this is the part I think this is where I believe that we are right now assuming we're, we're taking a TV experience and putting it on our phone. I as sure as hell will never sign up to watch something that I can consume and get the exact same experience. I think the change is where do I get that experience? And you know where the play is. And this is what I put on that board. The data that, that Twitter can, can supply NFL teams to target them with social advertising for jersey sales and, and Twitter based on those people that are actually actively engaging during, the, during this piece would then 
incentivize the NFL teams to have Antonio Brown live tweet, live tweet during a live divisional game because what benefit the Steelers get? The Steelers now get to get a download of all of the data of every active Steeler fan that was tweeting with them during that game to target them with a 40% discount the next day to thank them for engaging with Antonio Brown to buy a Steeler jersey. You know how many people wow. are going to close that deal? And now it's targeted and it's click-through rate will be out the roof. Okay, it's, my next question is this, though. How are you going to get Antonio Brown to tweet during a divisional game where he's on the field as well playing? Because you have to talk to Antonio's no. lawyer. And no, as an influencer, I'll get Antonio out. No, it's no gonna a divisional happen. game between two other teams. So the isn't idea would be... Isn't he right, suspended right, right, right. For, for the year? No, Mar- Martavis Bryant <laughs> oh. suspended. So here's, guys, guys, here's, some, here's <laughs> something to think Wait, about. Give that's this a legitimate question. That's a legitimate question. How do you get a player... now? Other than the teams on buy, right? Dollar dollar bills. You tell the you tell the you tell the Steelers you're getting all of this data. The Steelers then pay Antonio Brown's agent and say he sits there for two hours. It's why you see all of them doing. But he's on the field the same time as no, his divisional no, rival. I'm saying divisional teams in their division, not the Steelers playing. The Browns are playing the Bengals. The Steelers commentary is the one that you're. So you're you're increasing because remember the the Browns fans and the Bengals fans are consuming this on the TV. How do I bring a new audience to consume it and give them a reason to consume a really boring football game especially if it was those two teams on the phone like this is this is i'm giving for me i want to increase the viewership but not i'm not trying to take away from the tv viewer i'm not gonna if the steelers are on thursday night i sure as heck am not watching a single minute on my phone zero zero minutes but if there's a different game and you were able to give me a value as a steeler fan fan to consume it on there even if when i tweeted with my steelers hashtag the little steeler jersey went next to me it's now giving me one more reason to be on there which then gives advertisers one more person to serve up but that's okay i mean i'm not going to keep saying the exact same thing i mean i could say my point is i'm not my brother won't tweet because he's getting a cool steeler jersey next to his avatar I, i i understand where you're coming from but I'm still trying to wrap my head around everybody else that's not on Twitter and to spend this kind of money. Like, uh, maybe I'm missing something completely. Maybe I'm totally off base. That's, that's all I'm trying well, to get at. So, Vincenzo, it's like, spending, it's like spending a lot of money for a steak and lobster dinner on a first date. Okay, Twitter is making a play now for a long-term opportunity. And this conversation took place 30 years ago when there was only three television stations, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Why in the world would we ever need another television show? How are we ever going to get content for that television show? Where are we going to get viewers to watch more than three stations? Three is enough for all of us. Fast forward to today, obviously, you already know the answers to all those questions. This is another this is another broadcasting platform, and we're really too close to the forest to see the trees. We need to step back. This isn't just about this one play with Twitter for ten million dollars. There's a new, there's an entirely new broadcasting uh, platform or platforms that are that are coming out. Where as as millennials get older, and as young young kids get older, who are expecting to see real time locker room broadcasts, they're expecting to actually participate in the play calling in real time and it's going to happen it's going to happen sometime um that's the way you market your team you brand your team and i'll tell you guys just as a father with two kids uh, my daughter's at the american idol finale tonight up in la if there was a football game on tonight my wife's watching american idol at home okay this is how i would watch the game and one third of all nfl users who live streamed last year use these devices 
I just think the play is so much more than what we're talking about. And there are issues, you know, your brother Vincenzo right now, he may not pick up and, and start a Twitter account and watch this on his phone just for a Jersey. But if he has a chance to uh, watch a coach, coach up a player, coach up a defensive tackle on the, you know, on the sideline to make that, that tackle in the fourth quarter with two minutes to play. Uh, that's not available on any other medium. You know what? We'll probably be watching TV. We'll probably have our smartphones in our hands. We'll probably be Chromecasting to a second TV. I don't know. I just don't, I, I think the limimitations we place on this technology um, are just that, and there really well, aren't any limitations. Well, well, eventually it will. I mean, that's just it. There was a time where businesses wouldn't allow things to happen. Those businesses aren't around anymore. If the NFL wants to go blockbuster on us, that's fine. They'll so be a Netflix. Allowing... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say you have to innovate or you're going to become obsolete. And, you know, Ross, speaking of innovating this live stream sports show, you're going to have to do something about this because we're not getting any conversation. We're not getting any chat. We're not getting any viewers. I think, I think Ross might be onto something. What do you guys think? Um, so Mitch, Thanks, my point, Mitch. my point is why would the NFL allow that? And how now you're talking about, Front, uh, you're talking about coaching staff sitting there and saying, "Hey, we're going to go watch the back." Now we can see what they're telling their players in sideline. I get well, it. I get it. I don't think Wait, I don't think you allow that. But you also didn't allow. They didn't allow media to be on the field until ten years ago. No media was allowed to touch the actual field because you, a media person, could stand on the Steelers sideline and hear a Steelers conversation and pull out their phone and text the guy on the other sideline. Right. So, like, I think it's also in this element. I think to go another step, I think the advertisers have to jump on this. Because let's face it, who watches commercials today? I still will say this for the longest time. I don't. Your brother does not watch commercials, and so I don't. He doesn't go to Twitter, but he doesn't watch no. commercials, right? No, he flips. So, he so, flips to whatever's on. So right now, their audience there is he doesn't. They don't get him at all. But if your Doritos bag, uh, when you bought your Doritos, and it says every Thursday night game, we're gonna we're gonna give away a jersey. We're gonna give away something during the first during the commercial of every single. Uh, uh, first quarter of every single Thursday night game, and you have to be on the Twitter feed to get it. Now, every one of those people go, hmm, I got my Doritos bag. I'll just sign out, and it's a whole, like, Coca-Cola. So I think this is about, like, where do we connect all of these dots that, that is – and I think the data play cannot be underestimated. The amount of data they can serve up that today they've done really – and, like, Zoomf. I mean, Zoomf could really – the, that information that says these people are passionate, they, they even mentioned they're going to an upcoming game next weekend of the Steelers game. Guess what, Pittsburgh? Serve this up to your hotels. Hotels, target that person because you know they're traveling to the Steelers game because you knew that they were tweeting during the four hours that the broadcast oh, was going man. on. This is a great comment. Guys, uh, guys. From, guys, from Crimson Symphony, the, why would the U.S. government let reporters embed with soldiers in film? It's the guys. same issue. Nah, I don't Check this out. Oh, look at that. Keith Urban. Whoa. So that's my daughter in the middle. <laughs> wow. I told you that's where she is right now. Is that this that's is great. and this is did she, Brian, did, she, did she tweet that? This she just texted this to uh did she did she tweet it? I get your point, Vincenzo. No, she's not on Twitter. How old's your daughter? She probably knows your brother. Uh she's 21. But isn't that cool? That's real time. And um, you know what's interesting is imagine that type of real-time inter Brian, you're back. Imagine that type of real-time interaction happening during a football game. Did you see how excited I just got? 
And if there was a uh, an ad place there, when I screenshot that picture, I'm going to be looking at the ad logo. I'll be looking at the special link by Keith Urban's guitar. I mean, it's just amazing how it's the real time aspect of what we're talking about. And, you know, it's look, there was a time where Blockbuster was saying who in the world is going to order a video through the mail and they weren't even thinking about live streaming Netflix, right? There are things happening right now that, that we're not even talking about. But what I'm saying, guys, is this is a lifelong memory for my daughter. And it just happened in real time. And it was shared to me digitally. And I, I just think in NFL, and that's what we're talking about today, there's an opportunity for it to raise the bar. How high? I don't know. And yes, it's all going to be funded by marketing and advertisers. Okay. And by the influencers who I'm representing. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Yes, I like it. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That that's that pretty awesome, cool. Mitch. Do you want to cool, talk um, quickly? Because I I, I kind of want one part, one, at least one little bit of the show to to sort of be a pivot to how people can take something from the sports industry and and use it in whatever whatever business they're in. And can you talk a little bit about how your law firm is going to take the concept of player agents and now absolutely. Represent? Uh, social media influencers? When you look at the NFL, once again, we're talking about the NFL, you know, 30, 35 years ago, before there were uh, professionals representing the athletes, these athletes were being taken advantage of. And once professionals got involved and started um, educating not only the NFL, but the team owners as to how much value an athlete was bringing to the product and what that worth was, because they're not going to pay any more than what what that brand value is. Um, we've seen, you know, athletes with four-year life expectancies finally being compensated for the worth. I think social, digital, whether it's uh, people like Brian and Vincenzo, like you, Ross, or in the gaming industry, the product's much more global. It's 10 times as big as what we're talking about with the NFL over the long term. And I think that, uh, Influencers out there, if they play their cards right and if they go about it the right way and if they have good representation, I think that um, uh, it could be a, it could be a life changing experience for them um, because that is the way people are uh, relating to brands and products and services now. It's on personal recommendations. It's on people who we trust using your products and services. Nobody likes to be advertised to. Nobody likes to be marketed to. Uh, Vincenzo, to your point. It, it, and it plays with the mindset that I'm hearing with the NFL. And you're right about that right now is, look, you guys don't need brands to tell you how to influence your community. You have a community because they're relating to you. You need to take that brand and and, um, and using your own personality and your own community relationships, share your experience with the community. Um, what I want to do is help influencers max out their contracts for the long term when it comes to big brands, and I see it being a global play, and I see it starting now, and I see it becoming a game changer over the next five to 10 years, if not sooner. My daughter, who you just saw, if she comes into the law firm and she'll be starting law school this fall, um, this is something where I feel like I'm laying the foundation for her so that because she's interested in this stuff, it's something that she could possibly do in the future. We have some other sports agents who are very, very well known. You guys would know who they are, but I'm not at liberty to discuss who they are, who are interested in expanding their services to influencers on the social platforms. This is big business. And uh, because look, brands only have their bottom line 
in their best interest. Marketing companies, bottom line, has to do with profits and creating long-term relationships with deep pocket brands. Who's protecting the influencers? I mean, really, who's protecting your interest? Okay. Have you no, thought about have... like how much how much money like influencers are probably leaving on the table by not having representation? I'll tell you what, I would like to hear your input. Well, we're running the numbers. We're running the numbers right now, and they're they're opening my eyes. I had no idea there were there are as many zeros behind the answer to that question. So I don't know if Brian or Vincenzo has from their own experiences what we're talking about, but it's it's big time. And some of the numbers I've been looking at have to do with professional gamers over the course of a two day weekend which dwarf NFL quarterbacks over the long term if they were represented by somebody that knew what they were doing. That's the problem. So thanks for asking, Ross. No, this is a great point because I think the – I mean, I'm a really big advocate and fan and believer that we are are reaching the greatest time in our history to be a creator. A creator for the first time in their lives do not need to be a PR agent, a marketing agent. They have the ability to leverage these tools to show off what they are great at being a creator on. The issue is, are they represented? Are they covering their own basis? And are they getting what they deserve? That's where I think, Mitch, you're on to it 100%. Because not only was the creator not wanting to do all of those things and and build a website and all these. I mean, the reason Amanda Oleander blew up on, on Periscope, the only other females that are her same age were on Periscope that same month that she was. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. But one that was a creator that had a talent that was a personality as well as a painter that was already selling things that were really great. She was able to leverage this technology that is now, I mean, she's getting deals for, I mean, massive amounts of money to just show up as a, as a personality. And that is the celebrity of the future. My piece is, I I, I agree. I really believe that if the NFL teams, this this is a good one right here. So if you know your team on Thursday night is playing, and that upcoming Sunday, you know that all your fans are inside of the venue. How are you not? But, but as a as a as a team, as a Steelers, are you not empowering your influencers to go to the local meetups, the pubs? I mean, in Northern Virginia, there's like 22 Steeler bars in this area. And how are you not live streaming that to connect that fan experience to not only connect the dots, but provide unique access that you can't get anywhere else? I think that yeah. is where these influencers can provide access and create advocacy the NFL has never seen before. Dingo, that's what I'm talking about. I I guess from, from, from a Steelers point of view, I mean, they've got so many different things that are, that are a part of their core business already and that are working that it's hard to get the kick to do that. Right. They sell out every game. Their fans travel. Heck, their fans probably spend more on opposing stadiums than most teams fans spend in their own stadium. Um, so, so they're selling out every game. They're getting enormous cut of the TV contracts. Um, it, it's really hard to convince, I think, NFL teams. They get great cut of the merchandising. I mean, the NFL That's pretty much shares it out with all these all the teams. They share the, the TV contract. Every game's on, on a national broadcast. It's hard to motivate the teams, I think, to go to the next level because they're already winning with, well, I think with what the, they're doing. The they merchandising, don't have the merchandising play is a, the merchandising plays an interesting one because you know like, I've I've worked with the UFC, so I'm a little biased on the UFC side, right? But like the UFC element, because they even do a, a profit sharing with all of their fighters, and the, the NFL does that when things come through the NFL.com, how they profit share with all of their teams. The element of actually allowing people and fans to feel part of something. 
And that is, that, is the, that is the piece here, right? We are all fans. We wear the jersey. But am I part of something that impacts it? Even if it's something like we need to increase the amount of people that show up to Latrobe, PA to watch the preseason element. Or we don't, we don't need to sell more tickets. We sell out. Steelers have a 16-year waiting list. But you know what they do need people to? They do a, they do a, um, a $29.99 uh, a month, 12-year uh, subscription model on their website for you to get access to exclusive information. Driving that kind of growth, driving a 40% increase in that, that is going to give the NFL, fan, the NFL teams plenty of reason and motivation. I think your point, you're spot on where today's traditional places where they would grow, they're like, why would I buy more people? But here's the thing. They don't need to employ new people. They don't need to put more of their – They don't need to, the players already hate the, the amount of autograph signings they have to do. They need to empower the people that already love and, and embrace them and give them a, a, a pedestal and a platform to expose all of these other pieces. I love it. I love Vincenzo, it. last word. I got nothing. You got nothing. You're wiped. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this has been awesome. I know you guys could, could continue debating this for like another two or three hours, and it would be amazing. But if people start thinking that I keep guests like an hour and a half or more, I'm never going to get another guest to come on. So, um, But anyway, guys, this was awesome. Thank you, Mitch Jackson, at Mitch Jackson, streaminglawyer.com. And what's the new site, Mitch? Streaming.lawyer, and then we've got the domain influencer.lawyer that redirects to a back page, which may or may not be active yet. And, uh, you know, just real quick, Ross, you know, it's so nice just having a, we're having a conversation and we're actually brainstorming. You know, I don't think we're disagreeing. It's just interesting hearing other people's takes on, on what's going on and, and, and things that are, what I've always learned as a mediator when I'm mediating cases is sometimes what I never think about, somebody else brings to my attention. And it turns out to be a big deal. And I think it's really important that we respect what other people are saying. And um, none of us have this figured out, but all of us are in the game and we're all going to do our best to figure it out. And I think that's what's really exciting about this. I love feeding off of Brian and Vincenzo. I've learned so much from these two guys who are you know, knee deep in social media and live streaming. They're plowing through the mud every single day and they're doing the legwork. And I just love you know, just tapping into that resource. And I really, really mean that. I don't say that just because I want you guys as my clients. I'm saying that because I really <laughs> believe that. Right. And and so I think what's important, Ross, is for guys like you and I that have been around the block a little bit longer, we take a step back, what these guys have, what these young bucks have to say, <laughs> we digest it, you know, and we put it to good use. And I really mean that. And um, it'll be funny, 10 years from now, we should have a reunion show because <laughs> you'll be into your 10th year on this platform. And let's talk about who is right, who is wrong, what are we experiencing right. now? You know, it's going to be fun. Right, right. We'll probably be just have like the chip embedded in us and we'll just be talking as we go about our business. We won't even need to get get in front of a webcam or anything. Um, yeah. Vincenzo Landino is the CMO at 52creative.co. You can find them at vincenzolandino.com and uh brandboostcast.com you can tell i don't use any notes and brian fans us at at isocialfans everywhere he is brianfanzo.com is your speaker site and there's also isocialfans.com what do you guys have coming up what do you you uh brian vincenzo anything any projects coming up 
I'm going to Shorty Awards in New York City this weekend. I'll be there um, working with a couple brands on the creators that are getting awards. So I'm not one of them that is uh, that w- got is getting one of the awards, but it's gonna be interesting to be there. So I'll be um, I'll be live streaming on Periscope, Snapchatting as well. Um, and then the interesting piece will be um, we have there's a lot of people that are kind of segueing between um, YouTubers, Snapchatters, Viners, um, these great creators that are gonna. Uh, jump into Facebook Live. They're going to jump into Periscope and they might even jump into Blab. And so there'll be an interesting, uh, we're going to have a little uh, pre-panel fireside chat before the show um, Monday night. So uh, yeah, that's what I got going on big there. And then of course, social media marketing world in San Diego, where we will be uh, joining all the marketers to talk about probably a lot of the same stuff we're talking about right here. All right. Do you have any free time when you're up in New York? Uh, You know, maybe we have to hang out a little bit. Uh, Yeah, I'll message you for sure. Uh, and Vincenzo, what do you got coming up? I know you do the podcast every day. Give out give out some info on on what's coming up on the podcast. Just got the podcast coming up. Uh, I'll have I'll have a few uh, episodes that uh, the lovely Amy Schmidauer has uh, recorded for me. So we'll be syndicating some of her content coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'll be traveling to Columbus next week and then to Social Media Marketing World to reunite with this fine fellow. Um, in San Diego. So we'll be doing some stuff. Actually, I think Mitch will be there as well. So I'll see Mitch mm-hmm. uh, for sure. I'll see these two guys. We'll be, well, maybe we'll do a show. Maybe we'll do something up there about around this topic. I think there will, there may be some NFL guys. I think there's someone from the chargers there. And um, so maybe we can have, maybe we can have some conversations around that. But uh, other than that, I'm just working on some uh, brand projects personally uh, with the agency and getting some of that done. But I'm always open for more. I always can scale the time if I have to. Just uh, hire somebody else to do the work to help me do the work. So, um, personally, I have uh, I, I'm I'm just just every day, man. Every day it's a it's a grind, and the, the podcast is my baby at the moment. I'm working on something with that as a uh, media outlet, but uh, that's it's not finalized yet. But that that should be launching in the next six weeks. Sounds good. Sounds good. Everybody's busy. Uh, Monday night, Jonathan Tripp from Blab Nation joins me on uh, live stream stars, 7 o'clock Eastern. Uh, you can see the link in the side there. He runs the Facebook group Blab Nation as uh, about 500 members and also hosts a daily show on Blab and has really done a great job in building community. So hope to see you there and have a great night, everybody. And we'll be back next month with another episode of Livestream Sports.